0: up i'm justin and i'm tj and welcome to the talking pixels podcast helping you take your photography from hobby to a career how's things been going for you tj it's It's been been good since we talked
1: yeah it has been so just working from home with the uh covid19 or corona uh which has actually been really good i've gotten the live stream every day at noon got to talk to some awesome people lots of good feedback from you know our customers our viewers uh and it's honestly it's forced me in a place where I'm not comfortable and it's forced me to just kind of grow through it. And now I've, you know, I actually spoke at an online conference and, you know, I talked, ended up talking about live streaming because people were like, Hey, like your live streams, we want to do them like that. So it took from basically based out of necessity and having to do something. I am now what someone call a subject matter expert on streaming. So it's been really cool, man. How about you? What have you been up to?
0: yeah um uh, well I've been up to a little bit but I was gonna say it, it has been really cool I've seen you like going live on a pretty much daily basis and um your setup seems pretty I mean I was commenting on it when we got on here because I'm just sitting on here talking to you via webcam and you've right. got your whole like camera setup <laughs> going on and it looks it looks really good so it's it, it is cool um definitely you know as I build my YouTube channel that's something I want to work along to too because the if I do anything face to, well, face to screen that I want to have something that looks a little more quality. And you definitely got that going on. So I might have to pick your brain about that.
1: Absolutely. Um, And we have a, um, we actually just put a streaming course out on Eventbrite. So it's an hour and a half long course on everything, basically all the failures and successes that I've had with streaming, um, put into a course. So, um, it should be up, still up when this launches, but if you go over to, um, our pixel connection webpage, you'll see all of our events. And that's one of the ones that you could sign up for. So, and always, oh, if cool. you have just specific questions, like the podcast is meant to help people. So just because, you know, if you have a question, I'm going to answer it. I'm not going to say, Hey, go to this course. You're going to find all the information, but some people like having that course where they can yeah, sit down and part. go through. Yeah. So if and you, you do have questions,
0: speed. right. Yeah, that's cool. Um, on my end, what have I been up to? Um, still been photographing cars. Um, picking up a little bit of wedding traffic here and there, but it's still been fairly slow from a, a photography standpoint. Uh, we haven't really been able to do too much and I've had a lot of my portrait based sessions kind of come to a standstill. So it's definitely been slow, but I've been working on the YouTube channel, um, trying to find ways just to keep busy with different things and, um, wanting to get into a little bit more of the education side of things while I still can, um, in my free time right now. So that's what I'm really focusing on with the YouTube channel. So that's pretty much where I've been focusing a lot of my energy the past week or two.
1: Nice. And can you remind viewers where they can find that YouTube channel?
0: Um, yes. So I actually need, I need a hundred subscribers so I can get up to the, Oh, that's right. So we'll, let's just put work.
1: it in the show notes. Cause I'm in that so, same boat with mine right now. So we'll put both yeah, of ours.
0: So once we get to that, I'll have a custom link, but if you search um, Justin Gamble photography, I would hope that it would come up because I've done enough with it that I think that's it. But if not, you can check out my Instagram page and I have a link to it on my Instagram at what's up, I'm Justin. It's in my bio. You can just go there and check it out.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I'm going through that same thing with the 100 subscribers because I started a fresh channel just for fitness stuff. And I'm like, I don't want to ask like friends and family to like because that's just going to end up hosing me on the algorithm. So I'm like, I'm going to do this organically. Like I can wait till 100. And I think I'm at like 30... Like around 30 subscribers now we're about two weeks yeah. in so just really focused on target growth and hopefully hit that 100 that's the big yeah. milestone
0: yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, have seen a couple other people who have used this time to start YouTube channels for different things as well. And it seems like, you know, the, the more quality of the content you're putting out, the easier it is to grow up to that hundred and it shouldn't take very long. I'm not anticipating. I've got two or three episodes, um, pretty much ready to go. So I'm hoping by that point I'll be, re- you know, ready to go from there and just kind of start building it up. But yeah, it. so that's pretty much where I've been at. Um, and, um, know just trying to you know get through this covid stuff and hopefully make the best of the situation
1: absolutely absolutely so what do we want to talk about today what's our what's on the old agenda
0: yeah definitely so um something that i have been asked a ton by just mostly through you know the the events i've done and um some of my education stuff is how you know how do i price photography which it's something that I know I struggled with, especially coming out of school. I didn't know what to charge. I felt like my uh, my view of what I should be earning wasn't what other people viewed. So photography is a, tr- uh, <laughs> a tough service to charge. Um, so I always feel like it's a tough question to answer because it really depends on the person. But I think it's, a, it's an important point to discuss and um, get some input on from people who have figured out how to price their photography.
1: Absolutely. And I think that this isn't something that you get right the first time. I think it's important that we tell viewers this, this is a living document, if you will, your pricing Mm -hmm. is going to continually change. Hopefully you get to the point where it's just small increases over time. And we're going to talk about that here in a minute, but it's not something that you're ever just going to figure out like a hundred percent. This is constantly going to change as you add products, as you add services as you pivot in your business, this is going to constantly change. So the one thing, like I come from education and my biggest pet peeve was when teachers would have laminated lesson plans. And it bugged <laughs> me because those lesson plans should always be changed and updated based on those students. Your pricing is the same. You should never have a laminated pricing sheet. Like it, I mean, obviously you can have one so you can, you know, it doesn't get ruined, no. but the idea behind laminating it, you know, you don't want to print out a thousand sheets of your Price guide, you know that's something that you want to keep on a smaller thing because it's always going to change. It's always, always going to change. So when you were first getting started, Justin, um, let's let's talk about like your point of view, kind of how you got started and how you got to your pricing now, and then I'll kind of talk through my the way I did. Does that work?
0: Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Um, yeah, you know, like you said, pricing is definitely something fluid and something that I think is constantly changing based off of. Experience level, education level, quality of any products or services that you're performing, um, customer service, all that stuff kind of gets wrapped into pricing and how you price your service. So when I started, like, I felt like school, for me in this case, was not super helpful. Um, we didn't really go over – you know, nobody, nobody ever really likes to talk about money in anything, and photography is no different. Nobody likes to give away – their, you know, their packages just to another person, just so that they have something to go off of. It's never, it's not a fun conversation for people to have, and people get really tense about it. So we didn't even have that conversation in school, which I felt like we should have because it was, you know, a very important part of running a business, especially as a photographer. Um, so what we ran into was basically the idea they they, and this is, goes into you know a couple episodes ago, where so we had to check our egos after we got out of school. Um, they basically had us pretending that we were professionals in the field already and pricing a service there. So this, we weren't pricing our services. Um, you know, I guess I should backtrack a little bit when we turned in a project, being that we were in commercial photography, we also had to turn in an invoice with that project to our uh, instructors. So everybody in the class was pricing much, much higher than what our work was actually probably valued at. Um, So coming out of school, I knew that that just wasn't going to be a reality. I couldn't walk into a place with my body of work and say, here, pay me this amount that I was charging my professor in this make-believe assignment. So I had to kind of start from scratch and figure out, you know, what are people willing to pay for this? What are other people charging that are providing something similar to me? And I think what ended up helping me was working in a studio before going out on my own for my own photography. I really got to learn a lot more about how a studio price is and what people are willing to pay for what products and stuff like that just based off working for another photographer.
1: Absolutely. And you brought up a really good point with the body of work that you had. I think it's really important when you're starting off to, you know, you might not get that number that you are expecting right off the rip at all. But I think it's really important that you start building that base in order to You know, so that way you're starting to get an idea. You're starting to be able to test. You're starting to be able to feel people out for what they're paying for, but it's not going to be, you know, you're not going to get the same prices those around you, even though your stuff, you might feel that your work is better. You provide a better service. You provide, you know, you can, you know, run circles around the local photographer. That doesn't matter. They've established a trust with their audience and they've built up this price time over time. So the first point that you're making is so true is we have to check our egos at the door and realize what our worth is. And I don't mean to say that you should be working for pennies. Like, obviously that's the worst thing you can do. But in the beginning, you have to kind of take some of those jobs in and you might, and it could be more... Like you run a contest to give XYZ away for free instead of straight up just discounting your services. So it's still the same money that's coming in that people will have to pay, but you're using a contest in order to get that client in or something like that. It allows you to start getting those people at, you know, and getting the work through because you might find that, you know, you're pricing yourself too cheap and then you're working you know, super hard and you're going to burn out. So again, very good tip about kind of checking our egos at the door when we get into the marketplace.
0: Yeah. And I think along with that, it's, it's also important to, if you are just starting out, like, let's say you've not been doing this for, you know, you just bought your first camera. Like the, the first thing I would be doing is, you know, if you like family photography is reaching out to your friends, families and saying, Hey, can I take some pictures of your family? And then you know, just doing it for them for, you know, little money, no money, whatever, just to build your portfolio up to say, hey, look, this is what I can do and show that to people. Because that's where the, the perceived value is going to come from, um, from a person who maybe just stumbled across your website. So I when I came out of school and I, I finally realized that I had to check my ego there and because I, I just wasn't getting the clients that I wanted. I just started contacting people and asking if they would shoot with me so I could build up that portfolio. I wasn't charging them anything and that allowed me to be in full control too. So they got what I wanted to give them. They, you know, they couldn't ask for more or they if they did, I would say, you know, that was the best shots of the, you know, the shoot. That's all I can give you. You know, you're in full control in that scenario and you can kind of control what comes out of it. So you're you're at an advantage when you're not tr- when you're not working for somebody. Um, so sometimes it is okay just to shoot and don't charge them to build up that portfolio. And then you can take that to a client down the road. Yep. I think, Uh, I think another thing you can do from there too, is ask the person that you just shot with, Hey, what, what was that worth to you? You know, what would you pay for this? If we were to shoot this again? And, and that's I, some valuable feedback.
1: It is. And I think just being super honest with people is going to help with those conversations. Like you're honest about, hey, I'm just getting started and I need your help. And as humans, we have this intrinsic need that we, we want to help people. So whenever you frame it like that, like I need your help to get started, it kind of puts the onus on them and it's hard for them to say no. And then when you deliver these awesome pictures, you can have that conversation of, you know, what would you change about the whole process? Cause I'm going to take you through my sales process, my in-person sales. Now, obviously they're not going to be the prices that I'm going to charge, but you know, these are special for you. Like, what would you change through your entire, you know, this entire process? And they'll give you that feedback. What would you change about your photos? they'll give you that feedback the delivery of the photos you now have somebody who is giving you information and knowledge that you couldn't even pay for i mean you should be right. paying them to give you all this feedback but when you present focus it group. in a way exactly it's like you're it's a free focus group but i think that's where a lot of people get hung up where they just expect to be paid but when you reframe it and give and realize the amount of knowledge that you can get back from that client really you're the one that is winning in that hundred percent.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it, a little bit of time on your end can translate to more value in the end for your next client where, and in that case you may be charging them more. Um, so, you know, sometimes taking a little bit of a hit isn't necessarily a bad thing, especially when you're starting out. Um, but I think a little bit of what I touched on also was just that, um, you know, when I, started working for another studio, I was able to kind of survey the marketplace a little bit too and see, okay, so what are people willing to pay for this service? How much, you know, how do they go about pricing their services and their products and all that? And so that was definitely beneficial to me. It was to just figure out like, okay, where, where are prices at for a service that I feel I'm providing comparable or, you know, above or, you know, just below, like, where, where can I be at in this? and have people who are comfortable with, uh, you know, paying me for that.
1: Absolutely. And in our show notes under resources, um, I put a couple templates in there that I use. Uh, one is the comparison template and that'll help you in kind of giving a visual guide on where your competitors kind of fall as far as pricing. So it has the photographer's information, all their different packages they offer because you have to realize once you start you know, let's say you look at a professional lab and you see it eight by 10 is 90 cents. And you're like, Whoa, I can make so much profit on this. What we're going to talk about here in a little bit is total cost of ownership. So the first part is figuring out what the market is. And you know, you, you're basically doing market research to figure out, okay, this is what people are willing to pay. At least that's what you think you don't know that that photographer is successful. You don't know that that Mm -hmm. photographer is making profit. You don't know that photographers, anything about their business. So it's super important to do that survey, but it's only going to be part of your pricing, like figuring out what your pricing is. Because Just because pricing works for me doesn't mean it's going to work for you. How I run my business is a lot different than how you run your business. For example, we talked about in a previous episode on, you know, do what you do best and outsource the rest. Well, if you're outsourcing your editing and I'm outsourcing my bookkeeping, let's say, or, you know, my marketing or my Instagram posting or whatever that job is, those fees those services are going to have different fees, which means our businesses are going to have different sunk costs. What's called sunk costs in the um, how much it takes our overhead costs for our business, so uh, it is super important to figure out what others are charging, but don't take that like don't just copy their pricing and make it your own.
0: Yeah, like it, that's a good point. Like you said, and and you don't know when you're looking at somebody either online, and you might see, well, that photographer shoots weddings and they're charging five thousand dollars a wedding how many weddings are they really booking at that price point right. either? You don't know just because you see it doesn't necessarily translate to that amount of money or, you know, it, you can't assume things just based off what their pricing is. So you have to figure out what works best for you. Um, and I think that's like something that I have kind of fallen into in the past year to two figure this I'm feeling like I'm getting, value out of the amount of time I'm putting into this, the, I I feel okay with that. And then from there, you know, you're in a good spot. So when you start to feel like the value of what, or sorry, your time is worth what you're being paid for it, you're you're getting to that spot where you're going to feel more comfortable with your pricing. Um, but to get there, it took me, I don't know, two or three years of, um, you know, figuring out what to charge and really trying to understand like what, what when do I feel like I am valued at that point? Um, So what I started doing from, you know, that point of where I just started working and photographing people for free, um, I would just take on if somebody came to me with a project, like, Hey, I have a budget of $75 and I really need some headshots done or something like that. I would just take it. And even though I might've felt like it wasn't, I was giving them more value than what they were paying me it was a paid job and I wasn't, I didn't get a whole lot of those initially. So sometimes you just have to say yes to something that might even be a little bit below where you're at just to get to that next step to the point where you can, charge what you want to charge.
1: And if nothing else, it helps you test systems too, like how you're going to invoice somebody, how you are going to keep record of that person. Because let's say it is for that headshots and that's all he had right now. Well, let's say he works his way up and he now runs a small law firm. Well, he's going to remember that level of service, that over deliver that you did and your phone's going to ring and he's going to say, Hey, I appreciate you taking that job. You know, would you come into my law firm and redo all of our you know, redo all of our headshots or redo whatever images they need. And that would pay off. I've always been that kind of goodwill type of photographer in that I feel like it's not always just about the money. There is a level of just doing right by people and, you know, just waiting for that karma to come back. But honestly, if it doesn't come back, that's fine. I still feel good that I was able to help that person. Now that doesn't mean that I'm a straight up charity case. Like I still have bills to pay, but I might be a little more, open to working with them or volunteering for certain things. If it's, you know, if it's in goodwill and I believe in that person and they'll be able to do good things by, you know, with those photos, like I've taken weddings before where, you know, the mom, for example, was, you know, they had to move the wedding up because, you know, she was probably going to pass away and she ended up passing away. But like I did that one pro bono, like I didn't want anything from it. I wanted them to have the best pictures possible. And they had like a budget of like $300 or $500. And this was years ago. And I'm like, well, that's like like a third no, a quarter, Mm -hmm. a quarter of what I was charging at the time. So I think back then I was charging like 1500 bucks. And I was like, you know what, honestly, like to me, it means more that that family gets really, really good photos because these could be the last photos Mm -hmm. they get of this woman. I couldn't go to bed at night thinking that some other photographer who was at that $300 level to shoot a wedding, who doesn't have backup gear, who doesn't have, you know, all the professional, you know, all the right stuff, right. if you will. And that be their photos. So like for me, like that, it meant more to me that they have good photos than me making my normal rate. And honestly, like I, you know, I didn't charge them, but 300 bucks, like, okay. Like if I didn't have a wedding booked, it would have been 300 bucks. And it was a short ceremony. Like it's mm-hmm. still $300. Like yeah, $300 let's, you didn't have, <laughs> right. Let's, let's not, that is not a small sum of money. You know what I mean? It's not as much as I would like to have, like, but still like it's still $300. bucks. i will take it.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of that comes from, you know, and also just building a relationship. I mean, I, I think you and I both tend to, like, err on the relationship side of business and not so much looking at each person as a dollar amount, but looking at them as, you know, a valuable client-customer to your business. I mean, I've, I have some people that I've been working with for the past five or six years that, like, they wouldn't dream of going to anybody but me because I've been so willing to work with them in the past when they are maybe on a tighter budget, but they need something, but they don't want to go to somebody else because they believe in what I'm doing. And they also think that I offer a superior product to other people. And that's a customer I don't want to lose because that's somebody who's giving me you know, positive feedback. They're going out and they're telling other people about me. They're sharing my work. They're just supporting me in the, every way. And that that that's worth more to me than saying, well, my price is this, and you can only afford this. So we can't do it this time. That's going to leave a worse taste in their mouth than just saying, you know, I have some flexibility here. I understand times are tough right now. I've been seeing people, um, wedding photographers currently right now that are really unsure of what to do about people who are rescheduling their weddings due to the coronavirus. Um, And You know, there's not a right answer to that stuff because a lot of times there's contracts in place and you do have to make your money and stuff. But at the end of the day, like they're going through this hardship just like you are. And they have to figure out a way that they're going to be able to afford to pay for this wedding if they have to change it due to these restrictions.
1: Right. And you don't want to be that vendor that is the holdout that people, you know, if the caterer the vendor or the venue, everybody else is able to move that date, then, you know, you should be ahead of this. You know what I mean? Like you should be, you know, when something like this happens or this occurs, you know, it's on the onus of the photographer to reach out to those clients and say, Hey, I need to know if you're changing your wedding by this date because I'm booking these dates. And then after that passes, Hey, I just want to let you know, these are the dates that are currently still open. These ones are booked Mm -hmm. and just giving that communication for you to take the ostrich approach and just put your head in the sand that's not going to work well for you. You know what I mean? So it's on the photographer to reach out and not be, you know, you don't want this positive interaction that in this positive relationship that you've been building to go sour. And I think that's the similar thing to pricing. Like, you know, you don't just show up to a shoot and then you never talk pricing. And then at the end you hand them a bill no, like you have this conversation mm-hmm. throughout, you know, and I would like, even in my business, like if someone were to reach out, I w- they would say, how much does this cost? You know, I wouldn't necessarily give them pricing right away. I would say, Hey, I was just blah, blah, blah. This is how we work. I want to get to know a little bit more about you. Um, make sure that, you know, we align before I just hand 400%. you right a price sheet, like, cause the price sheet it needs explanation. It needs understanding. It needs, to be honest, it needs me to be behind it, and selling it. Like, I need to, like, I, I don't do window shoppers. Like, I just let those just keep going by because those people are just, you know, they're just looking at price. They're not looking at your total service. Um, so, Worth. that would be kind of another thing that I would toss in here is, you know, when someone asks you for a price sheet, don't just reply. Like don't just send them a PDF of the price sheet. Say, Hey, thanks for reaching out. Like that means so much to me. Um, I'd love to know a little bit more about your event. Can you tell me a little bit more about it? You know, when we talk about, you know, pricing, I want to make sure that it's a good fit for you and a good fit for us. And these are the conversations that I would have with customers or, Hey, can we jump on a phone call or the best bet would be great. Let's sit down and talk about pricing. What does your afternoons look like next week? You know what I mean? Because then mm-hmm. it's gonna force them and then just shut up and let them reply back. Because that's gonna allow you to be kind of a step ahead. And all these other photographers that are, you know, probably three hundred, four hundred, five hundred dollar wedding photographers that maybe aren't valuing their services, they're the ones that are just sending a price sheet back. And it's you're gonna stand out and say, Look, this is a partnership. This is the most important day of your life. I want to make sure that I'm a good fit for you because I don't want to be a bad fit and then ruin your wedding day. So that would be another thing too. Once you figure out your pricing is now it's time to sell it. And the books that I'm recommending later on are all about selling because I think pricing and selling go hand in hand. Um, I could definitely see a whole new episode just on selling, Um, but you you have to be the one that is in control that knows your pricing inside and out, but be ready to sell it, be ready to sell it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The consultation thing is super important. And a lot of times I find myself in a Facebook group and seeing that stuff, you know, somebody posts, I have this budget for this wedding date, you know, I'm looking for a photographer or a videographer, whoever I'm looking for. Um, and then all of a sudden they're flooded with, you know, Hi, I'd love to show your wedding. I'll PM you. You message me, I'll send you my pricing this and that. And I almost every single time that I comment on one, I say, you know, congratulations. Um I would like to offer you a complimentary consultation so we can talk about your what your needs are and how I can or, you know, how I can fit your needs and what I can offer you for your wedding day. Here's my website. If you'd like to see my packages, they're on there, but I'd really like to have a consultation with you and I, I would say probably about Five or six out of 10 times, I get a response back. I mean, I might even be the 50th, 60th person commenting on that post, but I'm getting a response in my emails very soon after of somebody submitting a form on my website inquiring about my wedding prices because everybody else is just showing, here's my pictures, here's my website, here's this. And I'm actually, you're you're trying to show them that you wanna, you know, you wanna give them the value that they deserve out of this. Um, so it's definitely definitely a really good point you bring up there is that just having that relationship focus and working and making sure that you are the right fit because you know, it's not good for your business either if you're the wrong fit and somebody you know they're gonna go out and badmouth you after you shoot their wedding or you do their portraits or something. so you it is a really important thing to even just have a phone call with them to talk about what their needs are and if you can fill their needs. And if you're upfront about everything and you don't um, you know, Oversell what you're going to be giving them, um, and you know, as long as you're accurate or somewhat even below what your final product is, they're going to be ecstatic about it, and and that's going to go way farther than just taking on every project that comes your way.
1: Absolutely, and you like you said, taking every project that comes along your way. I think that's a good blend into our next point, which is. You know, figuring out your total cost of ownership. Because when someone comes at you with a, hey, can you do this? Hey, can you do that? Hey, can you shoot this XYZ, especially when you're first getting started, is you have to realize how much that costs. And that's called your total cost of ownership. How much it costs to get this print. So an eight by ten, like I talked about earlier, you know, let's say it's a dollar ten for an eight by ten. But if you look at my pricing, you'll see it's about 19.99 or 24.99 for an 8 by 10, and people say, "Oh my gosh, that's so expensive! I can go to Walmart and I can get it for you know a dollar ten or whatever that price is." And at that point, you have to be able to explain why. So what I'll normally do is I actually have a spreadsheet um, that will help you in figuring out your total cost of ownership. You have to figure out what your expenses are. And there's two parts to this. Number one, there is a goal for you going full time. So let's say you want to make $75,000 a year. That's what you want to bring home to make your bills. Okay. So then you break that down by how many weddings you want to shoot, how many portraits you want to shoot, how many cars you want to shoot, whatever it is that you want to do. So, you know, I could make that $75,000 in 10 weddings or I could do it in 20 weddings. It all depends on you know the amount of weddings that I want to shoot per year and obviously mm-hmm. what the market can handle. So what I would do is I would say, okay, I want to do 10 weddings a year. I want to shoot 10 seniors a year and I want 10 headshot gigs per year. Okay, from there, you then have to break down those service areas. So how much does it take you? How many hours are you going to have in that Event. So let's say it's a wedding, how many hours are you going to be at an event? And a lot of people would say, well, I have an eight hour package, so it's going to take me eight hours. Okay, so what you have to do—that's fine for shooting time, but you have post-processing Editing. time, you have customer communication time, you have the time that you blog post or do any marketing for your wedding. A part, a portion of that has to go into that cost. Uh, your, or we're just talking about hours right now. Um, the time that you did their engagement session, the time that you took for you know phone calls leading up to it, or phone calls with venues that you're networking with—all of those hours have to be accounted for. So. So So let's say on a very low, very low average, it's 24 hours. So let's say a wedding takes 24 hours. So and i figured that i want to do 10 weddings a year that means 240 of the hours of year hours of the year are going to be spent on weddings so now i back that out of that 75000 and what you do is you try to figure out how many hours you know based on a 40 hour week it's going to take you to get to 75000 so as a rule of thumb you can cut that in half so that would be like 30 37 dollars an hour ballpark so if you took 37 dollars an hour so let's just I'll do it on the computer here. Thirty-seven times twenty-four. That means you have just in hours alone for the wedding. It's eight hundred and eighty-eight dollars is how much you have to make on just the labor. So now on top of that, you have to now start adding in the other parts of your business. How much is your rent? How much is your web hosting? How much is your insurance? How much is your uh, professional organizations? How much is it for your gas to get there, your maintenance on your car? How much is it for all these other things that support equipment, upkeep, right? If you do need lenses, like gear, rental, whatever that is. So now it's the next step. So let's say as a ballpark, uh, my rent, my monthly, um, my monthly bills were, let's say just to make it easy, a thousand dollars. So, you know, I now have to take out of that 75,000. I now have to add that on top of cuz again, I'm bringing home $75,000. Those overhead costs still have to be made in every single job. So now I have to make up 85,000 because I have 10 or I'm sorry, $12,000 worth of bills. So now I have to now break that down. So now that it's going to bring my $37 an hour, that's going to bring it up to $45 an hour. So now we're up to $1,000 before we even start talking about products. So now with products, that's where our markups come into play. So let's say a wedding album costs you $100. You have to now kind of fine tune for what your business is going to be. Is it going to be a low, medium, or high-end business? And then you can start building out all your different products. And I highly urge people to not just price out every single product. Start with you know the collections that you believe in or you like the most, and then you can always add them on from there. So like for weddings, I always believe in shooting for the album. So all of my packages include an album. Um, but like for gift prints, four by sixes, five by sevens, eight by tens, you know, I'm not doing eight by twelves. I'm not doing, you know, all these weird sizes, Mm -hmm. I'm going to have very specific items. So that way it's easy for them to understand my pricing. So you can see now, as we started talking about this total cost of ownership, you were thinking, wow, a thousand bucks for a wedding. Like I could, I could do that. You know, and I only, it's only on a Saturday and then blah, blah, blah. And I did a really conservative estimate of 24 hours Mm -hmm. and my costs alone are at a thousand. So that's the kind of stuff. And I made a whole worksheet for you guys. You can find that in the resources section that breaks out all of your, you know, your utilities, your water, all these different things, because when you're figuring out your pricing, you have to figure out how much time does that eight by 10 take, you know, hours, for editing, all that. How much is that five by seven? That four by six? How much do those things take? Because guess what? Spoiler alert, a four by six takes you the same amount of time to edit than an eight by ten. So mm-hmm. why are you charging such a different price? Like all those were gift prints for me and they were nineteen ninety nine, I believe is what my prices were set to. And people would say, Well, why is a four by six the same as an eight by ten? Because I have to do the same amount of work in order to mm-hmm. get that done. So, you know, I just I urge you to look at your pricing. Don't just copy off, you know, the guy next door because you don't know if they're successful. And then, at the end of the year, raise your rates by 5%, 10%. Or if you're really, you know, you're really working hard and you're getting a lot of clients, if you're getting, if your phone, if your phone is nonstop ringing, it's probably time to raise your prices. And I urge you every January 1st, just raise them by about 10%. And nobody should give you any crap about that because that's your, you know, you're making a living wage at this. So you have to make sure that you're raising your prices with the cost of living. I mean, you are a Mm -hmm. business. Remember that, guys. We talked about this in a previous episode. You are a business owner that does photography. So you have to make sure that you put your business hat on. If people, and honestly, people aren't going to notice 10%. Um, And if they ask, you know, oh, why, you know, it looks like your prices went up. They did, and this is why. And just have that Response ready. You know, again, don't put your head in the sand and just hope nobody asks. Just be ready and confident in your work. You've been spending so much time at this. You've been editing. You've been working your butt off. You've been marketing. You deserve to raise your prices ten percent. Otherwise, you're just going to be working for this that same amount. And in ten years, it's going to be cheaper for you to go work at Walmart or go work at Burger King. I mean,
0: absolutely. I mean, I mean, and think about it from another perspective too. Of just if you had a full time job usually there's an annual review in that job and you i mean and if not you know there's something in place to, that kind of benefits the employee but every year you're looking at some sort of a little bit of a raise or you're hoping for some sort of a little bit of a raise and when you're in full control of that you have it's totally within your right to say i'm trying to take my business to the next level i'm trying to live at a lifestyle that i want to be at that i'm not quite at i need you know i need to raise my prices a little bit more so that this year, instead of making seventy five thousand, I'm making eighty two thousand or whatever it is. So just you know, it doesn't have to be a huge amount, but just to make it worth your while in the long run. I've been, you know, like I said, it took me a couple of years to figure out my pricing, but each year I've been trying to move it up a little bit more and a little bit more, and pushing higher end packages onto people, showing them the value that's in that. Just so I myself am doing better, and I can use my, or take my business full time, and I'm no longer doing it at a part time. <laughs> you know, did it or like, a you know, three or four day a week d- a thing. And I'm actually doing it five or six days a week.
1: Right. Absolutely. So I think those are all solid tips to get you started. And again, you know, it's hard for us. Like I would love to, uh, get on a live and actually like go through some of these spreadsheets and we are available if you want us to help you with that. So, uh, the spreadsheets are in there. We also included, um, some, uh, articles that we found that were important, like on how to price photography. Um, a couple from like fash.com, which is a place where you can, um, kind of bid on jobs. Um, they have a thing about photographer pricing and then I threw two, um, spreadsheets in there that will help you. And you can just copy those to your own Google docs account and use them, you know, as you will. So Justin, what are our action items for today? People leaving the podcast, what do they need to do to make their business better?
0: Right. So I think the first thing, you know, getting off of this podcast, what you should do is reach out to some of the clients. I think it's important to reach out to clients who may have been on the lower end of satisfaction and clients who have been on the higher end of satisfaction and ask them, you know, and maybe these are just people that you've worked with in the past. You haven't actually been paid by them, but ask them, what would you value this at? You know, you did a, you, you went to your friend who of course is going to tell you, the best, but you went to your friend and you said, Hey, I want to do pictures of you and your three year old daughter. Um, and then you did it, she was super happy with them. Ask her what that how much that was worth to her. And figure out, you know, where do where does that price seem fair or what? But like figure out what people think you're you're worth and then kind of put that together into a list and start forming your pricing based off that. I think the next thing is to check out what other photographers in your area are doing. Go to their website. Um, I know a lot of photographers, especially wedding photographers, because people are constantly asking them, put their pricing on their website. Some photographers don't, but it's, I think it's a good way to figure out what the going rate in the marketplace is for a service that you would be providing.
1: Absolutely. Um, and
0: check out other photographers.
1: And honestly, like I've submitted the forms before I had a throwaway email address and I would submit the forms like if it wasn't on their website as an interested client and just so I could get access to that pricing. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it's important, you know, that you find out what that is. But like I said earlier, don't just copy it. Um, And I guess let's pause real quick. So do you put your pricing on your website or do you have a button that says click here for more?
0: Um, I do have it on my website. Um, Basically, it was I had enough people asking for it that I just put it on there. Um, For now, that's where it's at. But I, I do see, you know, there is a lot of value in having, you know, if you want the pricing you get you know, I get your email address or something like that. I definitely understand that aspect of it as well. But for, for an ease of communication purposes, I have it on my website right now.
1: Perfect. And and that's, what's great about this podcast is we have two different ways of doing it. So like for my website, I had a contact form there because two people or a button that was super easy where they just had to put their email in and then it just kicked off an automation and sent it back to them automatically. But I at least had their info and their date. But what I want and the reason I did that was it allowed me to see if their dates even available because if they're not available, then I'm just gonna end it right there um, and let them know I'm not available. But also, like I had said earlier, it allows me to start building that, you know, building that communication. And I could instantly send them an email back saying, Hey, I just saw I do have your date available, and they're gonna be like, Holy crap, the other five photographers didn't even get back to me. And it also allows them to look at my Photos and picture themselves in those photos enough to hit that button. And a lot of times, people, two things will happen is either one, they'll do that, or B, they'll look at the photos and think, wow, I probably can't afford that, which is fine. You know, I'm, and I'm at that point in my business. And like, even when I relaunch my wedding business, which will probably be a couple years before I do, but. I would do that because I want them to, I want the people that click that button to be motivated to do so, not just going through and, you know, going through the motions, if you will. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Yep. Yeah. That makes total sense. Um, And then I think the third action item that I would, I would tell people from what to take from this episode here is um, just decide how much you want to be making from photography, you know, your, your business, because some people want to do this as a, you know, a side hustle, they're, they're kind of like the weekend warrior type where I just want to pick up, you know, five or six weddings a year, supplement my income. I love my current job. I don't want to quit that. I just want to have another small job where I can pick up some extra work here and there and help make ends meet or, you know, really pay for my next vacation or something like that. Figure out how much you want to be making from photography. And then like TJ said, use one of these resources that he's provided to help calculate how much time you're going to be putting into it and what your expenses are going to be and then figure out what you would need to make to get to that. And maybe it's a, you know, maybe it's a starting point or maybe it's your end goal, but at least it gives you an idea of where you need to be at.
1: Absolutely. And then in order to like, so I, I wouldn't say that I had, Um, any books that I read just on pricing photography. It was more the articles online like we shared above, but there are a couple great books that I want to share with you guys about selling. And a couple of these I read, well, two of them I read as a photographer, one as like my job at Panasonic. Uh, The first one is the little red book of selling 12.5 principles of sales greatness. And this is a Jeffrey Gittimer book. Um, This one is phenomenal for people that are just getting into Sales and kind of teaching you the ins and outs and the step by step procedure, if you will, on how to sell. And I think this is a very good, you know, starting off with this one, if I were to recommend, you know, only one book, it would probably be this one. Um, it's, it's often called the sales Bible. It's just, it's the go-to for sales. Um, the second one, which is how I raised myself from failure to success in selling. It's actually a Dale Carnegie book. And I think I might've recommended how to win Mm. friends and influence people in a previous episode. Um, but this is, um, this is a book that's endorsed by Dale Carnegie. Um, and it actually follows along, um, a gentleman who was basically, I think he was like 30, about 30 years old. Um, and at that time, he kind of took it seriously, you know, this selling idea seriously and made changes. And within 10 years, you know, he basically could have just retired. I mean, he went from selling insurance at 29 to being able to retire at 40 because he was the highest paid salesman in America. So um, it's a very good book. It's an it's an older book in that, I mean, I think it was in like the early nineteen like early 1920s or 30s, but it's still a top seller. Like I'm looking on Amazon right now, 1,025 ratings and it's four and a half stars. Um, it's available on Audible, paperback, at basically everywhere because this is a go-to book for selling. I mean, it's, again, it's one of those timeless classics for how to sell. And then the final one is by Daniel Pink, um, and that is To Sell is Human. Uh, he has another another great book about drive, and that's what drives people. Um, that's more of like a, you know, money doesn't necessarily always drive people. There's intrinsic motivation, stuff like that. But he actually won, uh, wrote a book on To Sell is Human, and this is an interesting book because it's not just about selling a product to someone else, but it's also about the idea of selling ideas or selling your process on something. It's not necessarily um, just, you know, here's what you need to do to sell. You need to walk in, you need to say their name five times. It's it's not like that. It's Mm -hmm. more about the ideas behind selling and the humanistic approach to selling. So that would be the third um, one that I would recommend people listen to.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I mean, um, Dale Carnegie is definitely a great, you know, he is known for his just, I guess, just understanding of people and business. And so anything endorsed by him has to be a good read. Yeah. Um, So that's awesome. Great. Well, um, I think that pretty much covers it for this episode. Then, um, you know, hopefully we've been able to provide some value to everybody today on how to go about starting to price your, um, your services and your products. And, uh, like TJ said earlier, Our messages are always open. You can find us online at our websites or on social media as well. Um, JustinGamblePhotography.com for me or What's Up, I'm Justin on social media. Uh, TJ, you can plug yours as well for anyone looking to reach out.
1: TJ Houston and that's TJ at TJHouston.com or you can find me on Instagram underscore TJ Houston.
0: Absolutely. So yeah, any questions or any, any tips anybody needs, we're always open for that. So awesome, TJ. Well, hey, thanks next for week. joining me again today. And yep. yeah, we'll see you next week. Have a good one, buddy.
1: Thanks again.